Hi, and welcome to Five Compelling Questions with Sean. This is the podcast where we speak with writers about writing and books and inspiration and jobs we used to have and other stuff. But, but we do try to talk about writing mostly, but we do kind of veer off into other subjects. But today I am thrilled and honored to have my guest, Buzzy Jackson. How are you doing, Buzzy? Great, great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Sean. I'm happy to have you here. I'm just so excited that you actually had the time to speak with me because your book just came out yesterday. So you are on a big, I'm assuming a very, very busy time for you with, uh, you know, what's it like? What's it like having your book just come out? Tell me, tell me what's going on. It's very exciting. It's very, um, it's kind of, you know, this is my fourth book, but it's my first novel. So that is a completely different experience. I have to say people get excited about fiction um, in a way that they don't always get excited about nonfiction. I think partly because it's like seen as more personal or whatever, but you know, um, it's, I, I feel really excited. I mean, I'm 52 years old and I, it, and I didn't think you could really have a debut novel at 52. So <clears throat> that aspect of it, is very just sort of personally touching to me. And also it's just fun because you hear from like all your old friends from elementary school and my English teacher from high school sent me a nice note, you know, on social media. So it's a little bit like a wedding or some other giant event where you suddenly reconnect with all of these wonderful people from your past. Um, but I feel very grateful. It's been super fun. Yeah, yeah, but I'm 52 as well. So we're yay, the same age. 52. Yay, yay. It's, it's a the 52 age. club. Yeah, we yeah. should just like throw like a deck of cards in the air or something. <laughs> yeah, um, hey, I love that. That didn't even occur to me. Genius, genius. <laughs> you know, that's why I get paid the the, the gigantic dollars to. Be I understand. Here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what month were you born in? October. Ah, uh, I'm older than you. I'm, I'm February, so. Oh, be, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, be. no. So you just turned fifty-two. Oh yes, I did. So. So I'm turning fifty-three oh. this year. So. You were wow. just a little junior to my senior here. And I'm not good at math, obviously, which I've said many <laughs> times on the show. Listen, many, we're many, English many majors. Come on. English majors don't have to do math. That was what <laughs> I, I was told. Yeah. Yes. I was told there'd be no math. I just, yeah. that's one of my favorite lines of all time. Well, <laughs> exactly. before we, before we get too much further into be rambling on about, um, our ages. I'm going to give you a brief introduction, although I'm sure everyone already knows who you are, but let's just do it to be official. Buzzy Jackson is an award-winning author, historian, and book critic for the Boston Globe and other publications. She grew up in the American West, moving between Tr Truckee, California, and Montana. I hope I'm saying that right. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, good. She eventually headed to uh, for sea level, which is where I've always been from. Living <clears throat> in Perth, well, Definitely not. I did never lived in Perth, Australia, which mm -hmm. you did. Los Angeles, Barcelona, New York City, got that one, and the San Francisco Bay Area, where she earned a PhD in history at UC Berkeley. Uh, her work experience includes stints as a radio DJ, tennis hostess, NATO headquarters tour guide, NBC sports gopher, and college professor. She lives with her family and a free-thinking dog named Ralph in Colorado. And I said the thing about Ralph because it's in all your bios that I've read. He's a, he, gets a, <laughs> he gets a name. He gets a name check all over the internet. So <laughs> he does, and he even has a kind of stealthy ca uh, cameo in the novel, um, where he plays a little Dutch dog named Ralph, but it's spelled R-A-L-F, like the Dutch spell it. Oh, cool. Yeah, Ralph yeah, just like cool. a one-page cameo. <laughs> Well, he must be a very lovable dog if you, you know, he's very famous and from your, uh, for your bio, <laughs> he's yeah. on your website. Yeah, he's, he's a, he's a good boy. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. 
my grandfather's middle name was Ralph. So we have all these connections. We just were, we're, yeah, we're connected. So the book, we're the book. We're here to talk about To Die Beautiful. Tell us about the book. Yeah. um, I'm so thrilled that it's finally out. Um, I've been working on it for seven years. So for me, it's sort of surreal to actually have it, it, you know, have people have it in their hands now. And it's something that I, you know, for a while I was referring to the manuscript as, um, you know, how I spent the pandemic or well, first it was how I spent the Trump administration and then it was how I spent the pandemic. Um, but it's, um, I'm really thrilled because it is based on a true story uh, from World War II. And I, you know, I have a background in history. And so when I first started thinking about um, this story, first found out about it, I just assumed I'd write another nonfiction book because I, I love writing those. And I thought, um, oh, I'll write a biography of this incredible woman, Hani Shaft. And then for various reasons, which we can get into if you're interested, <laughs> I decided to write it as a novel. And that was, um, you know, daunting for me because I have never published a novel, although I will say I did write three practice novels, you might call them, which will never see the light of day, but that's fine. They did their job and helped me learn how to how to do it. Um, and so I, uh, you know, I decided just to tell this woman's incredible story of being a fighter in the Dutch resistance and really just taking huge risks for the people in the country she loves. Um, I decided to write it as a novel, um, even though, but I wanted people to know for sure that it was based on a true story because her story is so incredible that it's one of those like stranger than fiction almost type things, you know? So I, I'm trying to have it both ways, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you do a good job. And it, that is that is my first question because it's so interesting to me. And the my guest right before you, the previous episode, mm-hmm. when this airs, um, he did the very same thing. It, it was, he wrote a novel, but it was based on a person, you know, uh-huh. real... Um, so my, that's my very first, it's very, it's fascinating. So yeah. um, what was that like? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and, what, and what were the challenges? I mean, you just, just sure. go wild. Just tell us all about that experience. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I basically, this story is about Hani Shaft, who was a young woman, a college law student uh, at the time the Nazis occupied uh, the Netherlands in 1940. And she was not Jewish herself. And she, in fact, was just like a very shy person, but she ended up becoming a member of the armed resistance and fighting on behalf of her Jewish friends and other people. And so I thought, you know, okay, I'll write a biography of her because there was not one at that time in English. And, um, And I, as I began that research, I started to realize what a challenge that was going to be just because there's, you know, the, probably the most famous, um, Harold, you know, person from the, from the Dutch Holocaust is Anne Frank, right? But we mostly know about Anne Frank because she left a diary behind and, um, Hani Schaft did not do that. Um, and so there was very few sort of, there's not much in her own words left behind from her. And, um, and I started to realize without that, it was going to be hard to even have like a single line of dialogue in the book because I don't know what conversations these people had, you know, back in the 1940s. And so it was actually my literary agent who suggested I think about writing it as a novel. And I was skeptical and and nervous about it just because the usual reasons of like, am I really good enough to do this? And also, to be honest, 
even probably just as big was, is this even appropriate? You know, like, who am I to say I'm going to fictionalize this woman's life? And these are real people, you know, not just her, but the other people in the book who are, who were real people. And, um, and I think because I have this background in, in academia as a historian, I have pretty strong feelings about the way things need to be researched and footnoted and credited and all that stuff. <clears throat> and so, um, but I, I kept thinking about it because I really did want to write her story. And I really felt that her story needed to be told and needed to be shared more. I mean, I believe she is one of the great overlooked heroes of World War II. Um, and so I, so I, I was thinking about it and I, then I remembered um, Schindler's List, which, you know, started as a book, Schindler's List, and then became the movie we've all seen. And I realized that, you know, a lot of people out there uh, think of Schindler's List as a novel. It's a great read. It's an amazing, uh, or they think of it as a nonfiction book, but in fact, it is a novel. It is a, what the author Thomas Kennelly called a documentary novel at, at the time. And it's essentially, he did all the research as if he was gonna write <clears throat> like a biography of Oscar Schindler and then lightly fictionalized it to make it a compelling read, you know, a page turner and all the things that we all love about it. And that really gave me sort of, I feel like permission in a way to do this because again, another story of the Holocaust, an incredibly delicate story of survivors and victims. And a lot of these people at the time he wrote that book, which was, I think it came out in the early, like 1981 or something like that. Um, <clears throat> a lot more of these people were still alive at that point um, than they are now. And um, so using Schindler's List as kind of a, like a green light, I decided to just go for it and go forward. And I did um, make contact during my research with some um, descendants of uh, some of the people depicted in the book. And I was, you know, really transparent with them and just said, like, I'm probably going to write this as a novel. You know, are you okay with that? Or how do you feel about that? And they all were very, um, supportive and I'm very incredibly relieved and humbled to say that since they've now read the book and really enjoyed it and are very supportive of the final book. So that's, you know, if nothing else happens with this book, if nobody else ever reads it, the fact that those families feel really good about it, um, I lay it actually, I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it because it means a lot to me, you know, so it was a big deal for me. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And, you, and you've and you honored them, you know, in this way. And I hope I think, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I have to worry about people not reading the book. I mean, everyone's talking about the book, so. <laughs> oh, you're very sweet. I, you know, my feeling is, and as I just said that, like, you know, when I first saw, heard about the story of Hani Shaft, I myself was shocked because I thought, how have I never heard about this incredible hero? Not just you could say she's a hero, even if you didn't know anything about her, but just knew like her actions, she's a hero. But then when you sort of know her whole story, it's so stunning. And so it was really a, I mean, it's what a historian dreams of, right? Is finding this person nobody's heard of before. Of course, in the Netherlands, people do know about her more. She is a national hero in the Netherlands. Although I will say that I think that she her, she's becoming more, her reputation is rising again. I think it was sort of um, 
it was she wasn't as well known right after the war um and and sort of in the decades following probably because of the cold war and because she was affiliated with a communist resistance cell even though honestly she, i don't really think she was any particular political ideology that's just the communists happened to organize most of the resistance cells in the netherlands um and um you know so i so the idea that like i could play a part some small part in bringing her to more public uh you know knowledge is incredibly humbling to me but very gratifying because i think she's so inspiring you know yeah absolutely well very well you've done it it's just a wonderful book and i hope everyone mm -hmm. runs out and, and gets it but it's Thank a, you. it's a beautiful um story and it's said well written and go you know next official question which mm. yeah, I, have, I have so many questions for you um, sorry as, i talk a lot <laughs> so do i girl so do I. um <clears throat> we would hang i think we would just like spend the entire afternoon yeah. just chatting and, and totally. drinking wine probably i have yeah. six hours that's fine Drinks. yeah keep going let's, let's, let's just do it <laughs> um so you've you're as we said earlier you write a lot of nonfiction. You've, you're well established in the nonfiction world and this is mm -hmm. your first novel um even though we've discussed it's a bit uh, you know <laughs> different than from a straight fiction novel but it is right. still a novel mm -hmm. um was it easier for you harder and I want to know what's what are you going to do next are you going to go back to mm -hmm. nonfiction, or do you think, <laughs> are you going to are you going to do another seven-year novel like this oh, one or gosh. like what yeah. was easier and, and harder sort of extrapolate on that concept sure there. yeah um you know I think in some ways it kind of had uh all of the hardest parts of a of a nonfiction book and a novel, uh, if I may say so, simply because it's not the kind of novel that's just coming off the top of my head. It's all based on research that I did as if I was going to write a biography. So I still had to put in, you know, the hours, the air miles, the whatever. I say put in, I mean, it's a total pleasure for me. So I'm not actually complaining, but it does take a lot of work. You know, I... I traveled to the Netherlands several times. Um, I enlisted the help of Dutch people to help me translate things, friends, their colleagues who were, you know, much more of experts on this uh, topic than I was when I started. Um, but I love doing all of that. So I'm, it, it was really a gift. Um, but I will say that it was really uh, satisfying to write you know, to take the the true facts of a scene that I knew about, like, let's say there's a scene in the book where um, Hani and Truce Overstegen, who was another young woman who was in the resistance with her, where they, um, I won't give too much away, but they basically like are setting a bomb as like an active sabotage against the Nazis. And that's a real thing that happened. And I had a lot of information on you know, the exact place where that happened. I traveled to that place, to that factory. Um, you know, what, what was the outcome of that, you know, et cetera, what kind of materials they used for the bombs. A lot of that I got from um, Truce Overseegan's memoirs that she wrote. So that was really helpful. Um, but then, you know, if I were just writing the nonfiction ver version, it would kind of end there. Like, here's what happened. And they, they did this. And this is what, what the outcome was. Instead, I got to write all that. Plus, imagine how scared and excited and nervous and you know, everything those two young women were when they did it. And that was such a pleasure for me just as a writer to try and do that. Um, also very daunting, because again, these were real people. So I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to go overstep my bounds too much. But I just tried to 
put myself in their situation. Like, oh my God, how the hell would you feel if you were doing this? Um, so I think it was, um, I think I, on the other hand, I think it was great because there were, um, kind of boundaries on this story in the sense that I like, just like in Schindler's List, like I decided I didn't really want to exaggerate anything that happens in the book because it's already incredible enough. And I really didn't want to invent stuff that didn't happen because there's not really any need to because I already couldn't con couldn't contain all of the incredible exploits of Hanishaft in this one gigantic 450 page novel, which I can't believe it's that long. It's by far the longest book I've ever written. Um, so that so it was it was nice to have some guardrails on it in that way. Um, but I will say my next book um, is not going to take seven years. <laughs> Damn it. Um, no, uh, the truth is I actually have already finished a draft of my next book, but it's just a rough draft. But I, I actually went to kind of a similar place with this next book, which is it is a novel, but it's based on a historical true crime. And it happens, um, it takes place in the United States in the 1960s. And I'm not gonna say too much about it, but my elevator pitch for it is, it's uh, Nancy Drew meets in cold blood. Ooh. So that's what we're looking at. I, I'm a big true crime person and my dad actually writes crime novels. I, I sort of grew up around that a lot. So um, that's been really fun. So I've kind of done a similar thing where I've taken, the, the outlines of a real crime and I'm elaborating on it, that kind of thing. Very, so it's been super fun. Yeah. Well, those are two of my favorite things, you know, Truman Capote and Nancy Jeremy. Forget it. Like I know, I'm in, right? I'm in, I'm in, I'm, I'm, you got me. You sold oh, me already. Good. Oh, good. Yeah. They're the greatest. I agree. Yeah. I'm definitely a murderino. Um, I'm all yes, about the true crime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm also a fee paying murderino. I just want to say. I love to support those women. They're so awesome. And the whole community is so great. So great. Yeah, it's it's fun. And it's funny because I've done a couple of the 5Ks to raise money for the different charities oh, they do. That's awesome. And love I'll have that. on my yeah, I'll have on my shirt and I'll be walking to get a coffee downtown and they're like, oh my God. And the, yeah. the community is huge. Like people like the barista who will be, you know, 65 making my coffee is the murderino. Yeah. It's, totally. it's just like it, it's just like or in or like young girl, you know, just or young yes. man, you know, just depends. Yes. Everyone, everyone's into it. But yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. So it's, it's a, a lot beautiful of fun. thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, we have to hang out. We totally have to yes, hang out. Okay. Totally. I'll, anytime, man. Come to Boulder. We'll get a beer, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been there. Um, so I love that um, Honey is a, she, I, I say unsuspecting hero, but that's not right. She's she's not a reluctant hero. She's like, it's just she just becomes one. She, mm -hmm. she doesn't set out to do this. Yeah. Um, and I love that. And I think it's it's such a cool, um, the, the way you built this, developed this character and okay. you really sort of go through the same emotions that she goes through. So what was that mm -hmm. like just being in? Because it's I think it'd be one thing to be into in a character's head that you've created out of your right. own head but right. you're trying to get into create you're creating a character but also being in someone so how what was that like to be in the head of someone real but yet not real and how yeah. did you handle that yeah yeah I mean that was definitely one of the biggest challenges for me was Hani's voice essentially you know and the book is written in first person and I I did that I I, I will say like I went through so I probably wrote like 75,000 drafts of this book and I wrote first and a sort of probably the first 200 pages of it in um in a different verb tense 
And then I went back and changed all of that. Then I started writing it in uh, third person. And then I didn't really like that. So I rewrote it from, I tried it in first person. And I think that doing it in the first person voice for me was really the key to getting in that headspace of like, what is she thinking and what is she feeling? Um, partly, I think it's just, I, I actually, I really do feel strongly about this, that with books, with the fiction, you kind of, I, I think most writers don't think very consciously about I want to write a book in the third person. They just start writing the story and it makes sense to them in a certain voice. And with Hani, I think I started in the third person because I thought that would be more, you know, quote unquote appropriate. You know, I didn't want to try and inhabit her too much out of a sense of respect that she's a real person. But honestly, I wasn't able to do it in the third person. And something about being in the first person, it's almost like, um, an acting exercise, you know, of just like, okay, you're literally like thinking about, you know, what does this look like through your eyes? And I have to say going, traveling to the Netherlands and um, going to a lot of the physical places where she actually was, um, was incredibly helpful too. Cause it's like, you know, I'm a, you know, five foot four, woman walking around in the Netherlands she's probably about my size you know like and and a lot of those places where she lived and operated um are still there and don't look that much different honestly than when she was alive so um you know I kind of just it was like once I once I made the decision to actually write this as a novel I was just like I have to dive into the deep end and just go for it you know and like I said just hope hope and pray that the people who, you know, who were alive at the time, uh, thought, thought it was okay, you know? Um, so, and I also did get a, a really talented Dutch, uh, writer herself, um, Esther Shia, who I talked, I acknowledge in the end of the book, I got her to just read the entire manuscript from like a Dutch woman's perspective. I mean, granted she's alive now and not during World War II, but, just to let me know if I was getting something terribly wrong from a, you know, I'm an American, I'm not Dutch. So um, she, you know, and she did help me correct some things and certain turns of phrase that like a Dutch person just would never say, you know, and uh, that was incredibly helpful. So um, it was really an essential part for me of like putting the book out there and getting it kind of the stamp of approval from some, a few, more than one Dutch person, but definitely from her was important. Yeah. Well, it, it it's, I love that you kind of, because um, I hadn't thought of that, related it to acting. Because I guess, yeah. that it, you know, because like Meryl Streep was Margaret Thatcher. We all know yeah. who Margaret Thatcher was. But I mean, yeah. she, I was wondering, like, oh, she looks, she acts, it's Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> but no, incredible. Yeah. But it's Meryl Streep. But I know who that is, you know, but it's like, yeah. that's a really cool way to think about it. Because I hadn't thought about it that way. That's really awesome that you like sort of, you were walking in her shoes as the, as the teller of the story. That's I was so trying cool. to. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to. I mean, as my dad, my dad, who, as I mentioned, is a writer, his name's John A. Jackson, if anybody's looking for some good mystery novels. Um, he you know, he actually, when he first read the manuscript, just laughed and he goes, I just have to ask you, he's like, don't take this the wrong way, but how, where'd you get the nerve to do this? <laughs> you know, it's something only your parent would say to you, you know? Uh, Thanks, dad. You, yeah, who Thanks gave a lot, permission dad. to do this? <laughs> and I just laughed because I was like, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I almost didn't do it because I didn't know if I had the nerve to go through with it. But 
once I made the decision, I just kind of never looked back, you know, that's, oh. yeah, yeah, you have to do it. Yeah. It sounds like you were very um, respectful, cautious, and you, you, you know, you've, you've sort of told us about this. You were very trepidatious at first, but then, you know, I like the analogy of just diving in. Cause once you're in, you're just like, okay, we're, we're rolling. But, and then yeah. early on you said that the family was fair. They, they like it and everything's good. Yeah. So, but yeah, it must've been pretty scary at times. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yes. So scary. But you know, I feel like the families that I um, met and talked to about it, um, you know, they were honestly just really happy to get this story out there, not just Connie's story, but all of the other people who are in the book who, you know, if you, once you read it, you know that there's like, it's not just Hani who is an incredible, amazing hero in this book. It's like, a, there's a whole group of young women, men, um, and who are, who all did just extraordinary things. And then, you know, uh, went on with their lives after the war and they lived among us, these giants, you know what I mean? So that's kind of, um, I'm getting goosebumps again, just talking about them. <laughs> it's, yeah. They're so incredible to me. You know what I mean? And that generation is, you know, sadly almost gone. I mean, the World War II generation, every day I see another obituary, you know? So I do, I do really, um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to like, you know, keep this story and these stories going, you know, once this generation dies out. Yeah. Your passion is definitely coming through oh, every good. word that you say. So, I mean, oh, this, good. yeah, you're giving me goosebumps and I'm not there, <laughs> but there, I mean, every, but I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very important work and it's a, but Thank it's beautifully you. done and it's not, it's not, um, you know, it's, you're learning from it, but it's just not teaching you something, if you know what I mean. It's not like, I oh, appreciate oh, like, that. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate yeah. that because as an academic, I was like, I do not want this to just sound like a history lesson. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's important to me that it doesn't, I did have to start, add that historical note at the front. I mean, I can't help it. I'm a historian, but you know, my publisher was like, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Never not being a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what were some of your favorite scenes to write in the book? I mean, it's such a, it's beautifully, you know, there's lots of really cool scenery and what you're taking us to different places. What were yeah. some of your favorite scenes to sort of live in for a while for us? Yeah. Um, I mean, for one thing, it takes place in the Netherlands, mostly in Amsterdam and in the nearby town of Harlem. And as anyone knows who's ever been there, they are really beautiful places. The whole country is spectacular um, and just such a cool place. So it was really fun to kind of immerse myself in, yeah, like what do these places look like? What's it like to, you know, I rode my bike between Amsterdam and Harlem just to get the sense of like, what is it like to because everything they do in the book is by bicycle. I mean, that's one of those things that's easy to forget, but it's like, oh yeah, drive-by shooting on a bike. Sure. Um, you know, so that's happening a lot, but, um, but I think, um, I mean, one of the, I would say one of the scenes that was the toughest to write, even though it was probably, or maybe because it was one of the most well-documented, um, episodes, and this isn't a spoiler or anything, but it, it's, a. Uh, it's almost like a standalone chapter where uh, Truce Overstegen tells Hani about a really intense resistance mission she went on trying to save this group of about a dozen Jewish children um, and having to like take them through uh, the country by train and by boat. And it's a pretty harrowing scene. And honestly, writing it was on the one hand, um, 
really rewarding because I had so many details and I could really like just from truce and from knowing where it happened and all that kind of thing. Um, so I felt like I could really bring it to life with some confidence in terms of, you know, what actually happened on, on that day. Um, but honestly, it was also so, uh, tough in certain ways. And, and a lot of the book was tough and, you know, is tough in certain ways, um, that like, I actually sometimes would write with like very, I would put on like cheerful music in the background, just so I would like keep my energy up while I was doing it and not get too like, I don't, not depressed, but just like, it's so intense, you know what I mean? Um, and so there was, there were scenes like that. And then also it was fun. I have to say to write, there's some more romantic scenes in the book and with those, I mean, the romance that I write about is definitely was a real thing that happened, <clears throat> but of course I don't really know exactly what the, you know, pillow talk was between these people. But so in that case, it was just really fun because I just got to imagine like, what I sort of thought a lot about like what is some of my favorite like love scenes in literature or in film and who are the kind what kinds of things do people say to each other that I just find so charming and flirtatious and a lot of the stuff between uh I won't say who but the two characters who kind of most obviously fall in love during the book um I was really inspired by the Nick and Nora Charles movies the Thin Man movies from the 1930s um because they're so sexy and romantic and so well-written. I mean, Noel Coward wrote some of them and Dashiell Hammett wrote, you know, some of them. And, but they're also, I always thought they were the greatest sort of romantic scenes because they were two adults who were smart, who were attracted to each other and who like were sort of playing games with each other in like a fun, loving way. And so I would say those 30s movies, plus uh, It Happened One Night, the Frank Capra movie is always a favorite. So I kind of tried to get inspired by that. And that was actually just like, you know, a nice contrast to some of the tougher scenes, you know, was to actually be able to show two people falling in love. You know, it's very, it's the greatest thing in the world, you know, so it was fun to write those. Yeah. And it just kind of illustrates that even among, you know, the worst times in our lives yeah. and chaos and war and whatever, people are still falling out because, you know, that's what humans do. I mean, we try exactly. to find connection. It, it's just, that's, and you have to have that sort of palate cleanser relief, I think in a heavy you know, situation, you need that. I think that so. Hope, the hope, you need hope, you know, you have to have hope. Absolutely. On. I think so. And then, you know, it, it, it did happen. It was true. And like, thank goodness it did, you know, I mean, thank goodness humans are like that, that we can actually still have moments of joy amidst the darkest times. You know, that was one of the most inspiring things about her story to me. Absolutely. Well, you're, you're so fun. You're so fun oh. to talk to. <laughs> so you. usually, so are you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. My fifth question is usually um, a question about advice. You can answer that or you can answer, I'm just dying to know how you got your name. Fuzzy. I love it. Yes. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with names. I have, oh, I love yeah. my name, Sean, because I have like one of those, you know, gender kind of neutral Sean names. Sean is think, a great name. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So how did you get that name? Or, yeah. and then, then also give us some advice. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, my name actually, uh, my, my real name is Sarah Jackson. I share that with about 20 billion other people in the world named Sarah Jackson. Shout out to all of my Sarah Jacksons out there. And actually, I love the name Sarah. I think it's really beautiful. But um, the funny thing is my grandmother, who was a Russian Jew, 
um, who was born in Russia and uh, only came to this country in her teens. Um, she, of course, spoke English really well by the time I was born, but she, um, when she first met me when I was about three days old, she called me Bujika. And it means, apparently what it means is like a little burr, like a little thistle kind of thing that sticks to your clothing. And so it's a term of affection for a baby. Like it's like clings to you kind of. And, um, and so my mom almost immediately shortened that to Buzzy um, just because <laughs> she liked the sound of that. And, um, and so that's really been my name since I was three days old that everybody, in my family, my friends, everybody always called me. And, um, I actually interestingly found out during the research for one of my previous books, that was a book called Shaking the Family Tree. It's about genealogy and how to do your family history. And it's a little bit of a memoir of my own family. Um, it was only during the research of that book that I discovered that in fact, Bujika is not a Russian word. It's not even a Yiddish word, which my grandmother spoke Yiddish. So I kind of assumed it was a Yiddish word. It's actually, as far as we can tell, some kind of like very specific dialect from that part of what is now the Ukraine uh, or Ukraine. Um, that's like some Jewish dialect probably from this little shtetl. And um, so if anyone out there has ever heard the word Bushika, let me know because very few people have. And so I feel very um, lucky to have this little like, you know, hand-me-down from a life a hundred years ago in uh, outside of Kiev somewhere, you know, um, and Buzzy Jackson, you know, there's not, there's not very many Buzzy Jacksons out there. Shout out to my Buzzy Jacksons because there are a few, I have found them on Facebook, but most of them are men. I think all of them are men. Um, and then in terms of advice, um, you know, I think the advice that I would give to any writer is really the advice that, um, you know, that I, I've at various times had this on, you know, various sticky notes all over my house, which is just keep going, just keep going. I also tell my students this when I teach writing classes, um, you know, there's so many times when you're writing, often at the very beginning, when you just feel like this is stupid, this is a dumb idea, all of the little shadow voices come out of like why you're not good enough to do this or you shouldn't bother. And the truth is, if you quit, you definitely will not succeed. If you just keep going, at least you have a shot. And by succeed, I don't even mean get a book deal or, you know, sell books or get good reviews. I just mean like you will continue to write or do whatever creative thing it is you do, make music or anything else. Um, if you just keep going and it's sort of like what you said at the beginning, Sean, about you do it for your own reasons, you know, like you're doing it because it means something to you. And I think that um, was really helpful for me in the seven years of writing this book is, you know, whatever happens with it, I had no guarantee that anyone was ever, was ever gonna see the light of day because I didn't get a book contract until about a year ago, you know? So I was just cranking it out on my own for, for years. Um, you know, my feeling was it's still worth doing to me whatever the outcome is, I'm just, just keep going. So that's, 
maybe I'll get that tattooed. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed. We can get a matching tattoo. Just keep going. I, I, yeah, actually, absolutely. I actually needed to hear that today. So that's really oh, good. good. Like you needed, yeah. Sometimes you just need to hear. I'm like, that's right. That's exactly what I needed to hear yeah. today. That's perfect. So I feel like well, it's a good thing to hear every day for me, you know? <laughs> Yeah, still, you know. well i think wasn't it winston churchill that said when when you're going through hell just keep going you know, exactly. just keep going because exactly. turning, turning around is going to make it twice as long or worse or whatever it is but. that's right the only way out is through you know so just keep going absolutely yeah we're never going to solve all the problems but we just will band together and we'll keep going and that's yeah. i love that and that's I'm what honey did too you know yeah. i mean that's what the people in my book did they were in the face of like you just think oh well now's the time to give up they never did, you know, and it's so, um, it's just so moving to me, you know, uh, yeah. it's in the privileged life that I've had when I try to imagine what they went through, uh, at least keep going and writing in this book is like quite literally the least I can do, <laughs> you know, compared, <laughs> compared to people who've done real things in their lives, you know? So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you're a joy, a joy to talk oh, to. So, you are too. The, Thank you. Oh, you're so sweet. So the book just came out. Are you going on tour? What's going on next? We, we know you're working on another book, but are I'm you going to go out and celebrate this book any, in any places? And where can we find you to come and yeah. help celebrate with you? Yeah. Well, definitely you can look on my website, buzzyjackson.com. And you can see how that wouldn't work if it was sarahjackson.com. Like, it just wouldn't, it's not practical. Um, buzzyjackson.com. I have all my events up there, but um I'm doing a lot of stuff um, by Zoom, as I am with you. Um, and in fact, if anybody, I'm doing um, Zoom uh, book club visits. If anybody has a book club and would like me to Zoom in, uh, just you can contact me through the website and we can try to make that happen, which is just something I really enjoy because I have a book club too. And it's just fun to talk to people about books, as you know. Um, and um and what I, and you know, I'm doing stuff in various places, mostly around Colorado, but I'm also doing a lot of, you know, some podcasts and radio stuff. So people can kind of check me out and I'm on Instagram way too much and also Facebook. So, and Twitter, I guess, as long as it still survives, you know, so but Instagram is probably the best place to find me. Great. Yeah. Um, and you also have, Buzzy has a, um, book club questions on your website, which is so cool. Yeah. I love when, I love when authors do that. And there's a place right on your website. If you want her to come and zoom, you can just sign up. And that's really yeah. nice that you're, you're reaching out to readers. And I love that because, uh, you know, there's nothing oh. better than a reader that has read your book and wants to talk to you about it. <laughs> it's oh my amazing. gosh. It's the greatest. And yeah, I should, I should, should get better about saying that, that there's a whole book club kit that you can download and it has all this interesting stuff. Plus I have a lot of photos on my website of like the real people from the book and some of my research photos and stuff. So if you're curious about certain, some of the behind the scenes, that'll be up there too. Absolutely. All right. Everyone has to run out and grab the book and get in touch with Buzzy. And she's so just hopefully, you know, you can just zoom with every book, book club across the country because you're so <laughs> fun and you can, oh, yeah, you just, you. you're so fun to listen to and talk to you're an inspiration. And I oh, appreciate thanks. you giving us great advice and giving me some hope for today. And I really <laughs> just, you're just, you're we just great. So I'm going to start stalking you. you on Instagram. I'm going to Instagram please, stalk you. <laughs> please do stalk me on Instagram. I mean, I spend most of my day stalking other people. So why not? Let's like, you know, it's a two-way street. <laughs> thank you so much, Sean. You are awesome. And this show is great. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You're great. And um, I love you and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> I love you too. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.